Hey guys, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek, and we're coming to you live with our top 10 favorite horror directors. Hey, we're live right now. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, would you like to introduce our guest for our roundtable today? No, but I'll do it anyway. Val. Um, so, for those of you that watch us, the few of you that do, um, <laughs> <laughs> you are right over there. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, all right. So, um, I believe you've heard us talk about our buddy David, or Zim. Um, we referenced him. We did see Dunkirk with him. We've seen several other films with him. Uh, I've been seeing movies with this guy for almost a decade now, so that should kind of give you something. Crazy. To think yeah, about. I know. So do you want to go ahead and plug... This guy's the, turning 30 in a month. Sure. Uh, <laughs> want to go ahead and plug, uh, I guess, explain how we got to this situation? So how we got to... He how our friendship or how I got to be lucky enough to be sitting next to you two guys today? Uh, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column Okay, a. so yeah. got to know him almost a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, Actually, over a decade When ago. I was working at Levine Academy uh, Middle School, and uh, Mike uh, Mike's dad was working there mm -hmm. and uh, got to introduce us, and... He was uh, kind enough to be uh, quite a substitute teacher. I don't know if you ever saw him do that in physical <laughs> I, education. Right? I heard about it. You heard yeah. about it, oh, yeah. yeah. No, Mike, I played dodgeball with the kids all the time. He did. No, <laughs> Mike, never did, lost. Mike did a great job. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you're a way to abuse the kids illegally. Hey, <laughs> they got to toughen up at some point. <laughs> and, uh, and got to uh, find out that we had common interests and uh, obviously sports. And well, I'm not going to put you pressure on you, sports. And film. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to sell them out of here. Um, but oh. but all that stuff and found out that we had a lot of and, and obviously <laughs> movies are a passion of mine, Mike and I and uh, of course now we've got another another good person here another friend who who share those interests although he knows far more about the Star Wars world and the science fiction genre than I ever will but so I was really honored because they know that I do a podcast the Last Call podcast I've been on it what, um, twice now. You have uh, my friend. The I, I'm going to be really nice. You used to be the Marvel moron, but now I've stepped him up. He's gone up a degree as he's gotten older, so now he's the Marvel maniac. But the Marvel maniac. But uh, they, they. So I was so honored we had Mike on the show, and I would love to have this guy on the show. But I think you're a little intimidated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my my best contribution I could give to a sports podcast is. Hey, you know, uh, rock climbing and swimming is a sport. And also, have you ever played D and D? <laughs> so we there are esports, though. So I think you do have an argument there. I, mean, I, I can talk towards the games, not That's the actual competition point. side of it. Aside from the um, uh, the one bout of Nintendo that can be considered esports with uh, Smash. Yeah. So I'm honored to be here with you guys. By the way, check out the Last Call podcast. Yes. Uh, check out Last Call podcast Dallas on Facebook. And uh, you can definitely uh, download us at iTunes and everything else. But I'm honored to be here. It's my favorite time of the year, October, Halloween, yes. and horror films. They, these guys know I love this stuff. So I'm glad to be here with yeah, you guys. So Thanks for having uh, me. Go. Yeah. So just kind of give you guys a quick background. Um, Brad and I were kicking ideas that we wanted to do. Um, you know, obviously we do the comic book movies, we do comic books, but we also do sci-fi and horror big time. Mm -hmm. um, and David kind of jokingly was like, hey, when am I going to be on? I was like, well, <laughs> I kind of had this idea. <laughs> you did not want me on for comic books. Okay? <laughs> I don't know anything. So I threw it to Brad and I was like, hey man, like our, let's pick 10 directors, kind of go through, argue our favorite movies, what we yeah. think the best movie is. And then I kicked it to David. David loved the idea. So it's great. 
Here we are. Here I am. Yeah. So, um... Only for you guys, by the way, during an NFL Sunday. <laughs> yes. I mean, that shows our friendship. Uh, you just uh, should know uh, that I'm sitting here <laughs> while games are going on right now. But Sorry I mean, to my podcast <laughs> listeners and viewers out there. I will catch up later on. But I, the most important oh. thing of the day, the Pats uh, already... The Pats already won. They played the early game, so congratulations. No, no other football is going congratulations. on right now. Right. Congratulations. But, uh, I'll yeah. be back on for a pot on <laughs> cheaters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So but, I still have to watch my mouth, right? Uh, yeah, okay. uh, very much because we're, gonna, we're live. I'm just going to sit over um, here. Yeah. And uh, for those of you that will be watching later on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, on YouTube, uh, we'll be putting up the edited version. We're on there. Facebook, Brad. I, <laughs> I know. So, uh, yes, just... Right? Yes, okay. yes we, we are, we're live streaming on Facebook. We'll be putting the edited on YouTube and, and all that other stuff. Uh, but, so... With this being uh, about to be um, Halloween uh, coming up in what two days? Two days. Oh Crazy. wow! Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Stay dry, by the way. It's supposed to be a rainy night, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and we we wanted to go ahead and do our top ten horror directors. Uh, so we've gone through. We have narrowed them down to who we think are the ten uh, defining horror directors. And um, just this was not easy to come up with. Yeah, a uh, we, we wanted to try to uh, go in general, but because there's several that uh, are around for modern and for the classics that we could talk about, but we just didn't have enough material to be able to uh, make a solid argument aside from this specific definitive piece that was a classic or this definitive piece. We're going to use them as points of reference. Uh, but we're going to be making our arguments about our preferred oh, I top ten. I could have made an argument for M. Night. We'll be talking about him later mm -hmm. as, as a uh, side you may not, you may I really it. like it that I'm not the only one that gets frustrated with this guy over here. That was beautiful right there. Keep it going. I, I'm, I'm feeling so honored. I'm glad that I'm in the middle right here. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so to start things off. You're the buffer to keep us from strangling. And I'm never the buffer. So, so to start things off, we're going to uh, start off with our uh, one... Uh, well, our first cl uh, classic director on the list, which is Alfred Hitchcock. The Alfred Hitchcock. I have not been able to say his name correctly all day, and this is actually going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? You notice he always gets the Hitchcock right. Well, but he <laughs> it's Alfred that he's struggling with. I'm sorry. I can like, this is still clean. This is still okay. Oh, no, I just man. found that humorous. He hasn't struggled oh, with Hitchcock the entire time. It's with uh, the Alfred uh, part. Uh, 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 uh. Fair, fair point. Yeah, fair point, right? Very, very fair. Uh, uh, so, um, uh, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, give each of our favorite and, uh, in our opinion, maybe defining piece for each, uh, the director. And then after we've given our opinions for each of our preferences, then we're gonna go ahead and debate why ours is correct. And we're gonna try to make it uh, attempt to make it quick. Uh, so uh, for Hitchcock, uh, my preference is the birds. Um, I think for him, uh, yeah, everybody can say psycho, but with the birds, he was able to take a relatively mundane thing that everybody sees and is just kind of annoyed by on a daily basis and make it genuinely terrifying. And that's the thing that I think makes that so definitive for him because he took something that should have been a hard subject to make terrifying and made it scary and it has continued to hold up today. So... For me, I'm going with Psycho. I know it's not original. Um, 
I feel that with Psycho, what is so unbelievable about that film, and it's something that Hitchcock did pretty much his whole career, yeah. is that, and we'll get into some other directors who deal in gore, who deal in a lot of bloodshed to make their point. And they've created genres out of that. <laughs> but for Hitchcock, yeah. But for Hitchcock, he really does it in a way that it's camera shots, it's mm -hmm. angles, it's facial expressions, it's music, it's fascinating stuff. Because when I look at Psycho, it is the king of a film that has Literally almost no blood, yep. except for that shower scene and there's some, yep. you know, spattering. It's shot in black and white, which mm -hmm. was clearly done on purpose to give it that suspenseful attitude. And it really sparks a whole genre and a whole different way of looking at horror where it's just fascinating to me. So for me, Psycho started a whole uh, generation of horror. Yeah. Okay. Um, well... <coughs> David's right because I also chose Psycho, and I'm never wrong. Um, wow, that's yeah. a big statement. Boy. Yeah, shut your mouth. Oh my god! No, um. <laughs> keep on going, man. Keep on. Don't lose your train of thought. I'm trying. Don't let stay us focused, fool you. Man. Stay focused. Come on. That's the thing. Narcissism, egotism. <laughs> Don't think humble, modest. None of those words. You'll be just fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing Samuel L. in the back. I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard. <laughs> so, uh, psycho. psycho. Why no. it's your favorite. Uh, why so, you're right. I mean, me personally, um, well, I think David touched on it really well. A lot of it is the camera angle. A lot of it is as he's coming up the stairs, you see the camera kind of pan up over the top. Uh, when he's talking to Mrs. Bates, you ever actually see his face. So, there's a lot of kind of like what's going on. It's kind of putting you in this... This uh, this atmosphere of like you're not really sure what's real, what's not real. Okay. Um, plus, dude, when you make a scene that's so terrifying that the actress can never take a shower again. Mm, yeah. Pretty amazing. Like that's and like you said, there was no gore in it whatsoever. You see her, you see the knife, you hear the music. If I had seen Alfred Hitchcock naked in a shower, I wouldn't have taken a shower again. <laughs> but true. I'm with you. The fact that he yeah. shot that oh, yeah. scene yeah. and did that. No, I'm with you. I think it's a great point. No, yeah, that's. Like, that's that's filmmaking, like, as an absolute art form. Oh, yeah. So why, for you, do you feel that birds? I think that any director that has the ability to take the mundane and make it terrifying, that's a real talent and proves uh, a certain point about the piece. Uh, whereas Psycho, uh, every aspect of that... Uh, when taken by itself, uh, and even when you see all the different versions that have been redone since then, mm -hmm. not just remakes of Psycho, but other knockoffs of it, uh, every time that formula works. But Birds, not every attempt after that has been successful. I mean, the You're best... talking about Snakes on a Plane is a masterpiece. Birdemic. Touche. I mean, it's a cult classic, but because it's so bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that just uh, goes... Kind of like Piranha 2. <laughs> Who made that movie, James? I'm just, I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there at one point. That was the perfect nice. point. There was never not going to be a perfect moment, but that was the perfect oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you guys have rat poison down in the kitchen, right? I'm just going to go refill the water. I'll be right back. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think that uh, that right there is why it's so defining. Uh, be, uh, if Psycho couldn't have been redone uh, by so many different people as well as they did, then I would uh, say Psycho, yeah, but because Birds is so hard to recreate 
how terrifying it was, except by Hitchcock. Yeah. That's why I think that was his definitive piece, because it went so far above and beyond, it proved his genius. And I don't disagree with you on the idea of something as commonplace as a bird, other than my wife, who is terrified of birds. It's so weird. <laughs> she, just, she hates <laughs> birds. I don't know what it is. She just looks at them yeah. and can't stand them. Like, even at the zoo, she's like, oh, God, birds. Like, who would like a bird? But it, it's... It's, it's very true that something that commonplace that you could turn it into such fear. At the same time, though, I think that your comment on all the copycats of Psycho, mm. in a sense, also makes our point, well, I'll never stand up for makes <laughs> my point a little bit, no, makes the point a little bit because I think that you know you hit on something yeah. okay. when you have a generation of directors that comes after that is constantly trying to mimic copy. I mean, the fact that Gus Van Sant made a shot-for-shot remake of, of yeah. Psycho is pretty unbelievable when you think okay. about it. There aren't a lot of movies that have done that with, no. that, with okay. those directors. No. Yeah, so. totally agree. Interesting. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, then let's go ahead and move on to George A. Romero. All right, so just for Rest those of you... Peace. Rest in I peace. Know. For those yeah. of you keeping score at home, Mike and David won. Brad, zero. I was not saying that. At wow, all. I wasn't. I wasn't looking uh, at it that way. <laughs> so uh, for George A. Romero, uh, my opinion was Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah, a lot of people could try saying, well, his first run with Night of the Living Dead was uh, should be considered his uh, definitive piece because it started the, uh, the zombie genre. I think Dawn of the Dead is where he. Uh, perfected the formula, whereas you can go back and look at Night of the Living Dead and the pacing of it uh, had a bit to be um, desired still, um, and there were just certain elements of the cinematography where he was still clearly trying to find his voice. Dawn of the Dead, he found his voice, he knew what he wanted, he got the pacing right, he got the acting right, it, uh, he finally got a semi-decent budget for it, and he was able to prove that the genre had legs. N no, no pun intended for the walkers. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he was able to prove that the uh, zombie genre could survive because it wasn't just a unique concept. He, he showed that it had a transcending piece and was able to continue to take the original idea that he put in with the first one of consumerism uh, being the theme of the zombie cause mm -hmm. uh, and expand that so much further with Dawn. So I, I think that just absolutely uh, defined him. And the great horror directors, everything you're saying makes so much sense, but the great horror directors for me, and you have a lot of people out there that don't understand the horror genre, yeah. Or think it's just slashing or killing or gore or blood or whatever. That's why you and have so many bad ones. It's true. No, it's true. Whereas That's why you have the so great many directors saw and saw sixes. True. And I think the reason that this list that, that we've compiled is so good is because the majority of people on this list, especially when you're talking about George A. Romero, mm -hmm. is they were making political social mm -hmm. statements, commentary in these films. And forget about the fact that the man created really the zombie genre, yep. which yep. has lasted all the way into modern time, and they keep on trying to perfect on it, whether it be The Walking Dead, whether you're trying to be a 28 Days Later, whether you're mm -hmm. trying to all these films that have, that have taken that, and he did it again in his modern-day zombie stuff. But the, the, the social commentary of all of his, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Diary, like we talked about, all of those 
are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so while my pick is not going to be the <laughs> zombie genre, I want to just stand and say George Romero created to me a genre which will always be sick. But my favorite movie of George A. Romero will always be Creepshow. And the reason why I love yep. Creepshow is because he took this idea that later on you get with Tales from the Crypt, that mm-hmm. later on you get even nowadays with some of the horror graphic novels that people do, and he took this great stuff with these stories, with these actors who are so lovable actors, like the yeah. Ted Dansons yeah. of the world, the Leslie Nielsens of the world. He takes freaking Ed Harris and gets him dancing in front of the camera in this ridiculous moment, but it's... It's great stuff, and it's enjoyable, and it's fun, and if you're terrified of cockroaches like my brother is, there's nothing better yep. than the last <laughs> story in Creepshow. Um, but for the rest of my life, all I can think of is, where's my cake, Bedelia, or hold my breath. I can hold it a long time. Or the great, I mean, you talk about the crate with Adrian Barbeau, and I, I mean, it is so yeah. Good. Um, it just never gets old for me. It's one of those things that I watch and I just love it. I love Creep Show. I love what he did with that. Oh yeah. Okay, so they're both wrong. Um, <laughs> no surprise there. Uh-huh. No. So I'm gonna go a little bit. Uh, yeah, more modern. I think modern is a good way. I'm gonna yeah. go with Land of the Dead. Um, okay. Now this was his return to the zombie genre after a good long absence. Um, but more importantly, this one kind of showed... What's going on? Anything? Anything important? No. no. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, no. So with Land of the Dead, he went back to, like you said earlier, with a political statement that he likes to make with all of his movies. The, you brought that up. And boy, oh boy, was he ahead of his time a little bit because Land of the Dead has got a lot of contemporary stuff going on now that comes into... Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, no, it really does. Right, I yeah, mean, what's going right. on now, you talk about a guy who was ahead of his time. Oh, yeah. Holy cow, is Land of the Dead prevalent in today's No, world. no, no, you're not oh, wrong. Yeah. Um, but also, the thing that I absolutely love about Land of the Dead is the way that he kind of shows the zombies evolving almost as if they are people. Being able to communicate mm. with each other. Yep. They can walk underwater to get underneath the barricades that are keeping the last city safe. They learn how to use firearms. Like, it's this kind of, oh, this might be the next step of where we're going. And then you have that great scene at the end where they're about to waste all the zombies. And uh, Simon Baker's like, no, no. Like, they're just trying to find a place to live like us. Right. Anytime John Luguzamo's in a zombie movie, that right there. <laughs> you yeah. gotta love that. I mean, it just can't yeah. get any better but than so, that. But for me, Land was land was much needed. The genre had kind of, I don't want to say died off, but it had definitely taken a big slowdown for, for a good little stretch there. And Land definitely brought it back in a big way. And okay. it was kind of fitting that it was Romero that brought it back. And my favorite of the new ones were Diary of the Dead. I loved Diary of the Dead. Because I thought that idea of handheld cam and the Blair Witch kind of trend that Romero was able to make something that was so good, showing he wasn't just stuck. Some of these directors get caught up in their own shtick, and it's like they should have stayed in the 70s. They should have stayed in the 80s. He proved he could do it on the modern world. And that's the thing. The the Dead series uh, for Romero... um, continue to uh, redefine itself mm-hmm. with each major iteration. Yep. Uh, Night of the Living Dead was what created the genre. Dawn of the Dead was able to um, perfect the genre. Land of the Dead reinvigorated the genre for modern times. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, Diary of the Dead took the found footage genre and incorporated it into the traditional zombie genre to be able to uh, show that it still could survive with this new 
brand of horror movies. And it just, it, it kept it going. So no, I, I, I think that whole uh, series absolutely has uh, a, a lot of depth to it and a lot of uh, just things that you can pull from it for the sake of the genre's survival. Not only that, but one thing that I always like, practical effects. Mm, yeah. He never went heavy on the CGI. He kept it as practical as possible every chance that he could. Um, it made it more authentic. It gave it a more real feel as well. Again, I mean, Romero allowed the genius of Tom Savini to, to, to show what he could always do with makeup and special effects yep. and keep it that way. But the thing about Romero is it is very hard to find a George Romero film that's just a throwaway. Every, you know, I think that's the genius yeah, of Romero. Yeah. If you look at most of the directors we go through, I won't say it's all necessarily a throwaway, but he was making a statement yeah. in all of his films. There was yeah, something yeah, oh, yeah. there. You could. There are times that people try to find something in some of these ridiculous movies. With his stuff, there really was great stuff there. I'm saving battery on it. Oh, yeah. No, 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 you're good. Uh, no, 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 you're absolutely right. Like, the man never made a movie without having some message that he wanted to get across. Right. And that's very hard to do over no, a career that was as long as oh, it yeah. is. And, and we're not talking prolific. just kind of like a throw it. Like we're talking like social commentary. We're right. That it, exactly. And it wasn't just a zombie movie. You know, that was the thing. People could say, oh, well, he was always making zombie movies. But it it wasn't. But it was the fact that he could take a yeah. zombie genre and continue to fit, even in his final movie, that it was in a sense on this island and dealing with immigrants and yep. that whole idea. I mean, how cool is that? No, I mean, you're definitely no. He's one of the giants. I mean, there's a reason for it, without a doubt, without a doubt. He's one of the giants. Are we moving on? Yes. We're yes, waiting. Yes. We're lost without him. We're lost Actually, without hey, him. Mike, could you uh, pull up the live stream on your phone? I, it looks like it may have gone black uh, screen for us. So I want to make sure that we're still actually broadcasting. Give me two seconds here. Ugh, and I'm about to be scared seeing myself on this. Blame Mike. <laughs> Hashtag. Can't connect. Interesting. Oh no. Yeah. It says we're live. Yeah, it's giving me a can't connect. Oh no. Hmm. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, disconnect and try to rebroadcast here in a second. Uh, Bear with us for two minutes, guys. Yeah. It's in here. Oh no, it says, huh. What'd you do? It says live broadcast must be at least four seconds, but it does not seem to be uh, happy. That is sad. I think our live broadcast may have gotten uh, cut a little uh, short. <laughs> well, let's just try this again, shall we? We're going to start from the beginning? Or you just nope, nope. We're going to keep on picking up and hope for the best. Yeah, because we've been recording, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no worries. You can always put it on later. Mm-hmm. So, and go live and start starting. And, um. Let's turn the clock. Yeah, let's still uh, keep on going. Okay, cool. All right, so, um, if the live broadcast is working. Hey, we're live again! Yeah, does it let you see it this time? Oh, yeah, let's try. Because I'm still getting a black screen on the other side, so. My video will begin in a moment. Well, that is awkward. Well, if uh, if you are <laughs> hearing any of this on the live broadcast, or if not, uh, due to technical difficulties, um, we apologize. 
Uh, in the meantime, for everybody that's going to be seeing the final video, let's move on to our next director, which is Wes Craven. Um, Wes Craven, for, for me, uh, yes, uh, I gotta go with Scream. Um, for me, Scream is where he took a genre that he was already very well established in, uh, the slasher genre, and he, uh, and, and had already been, uh, proven time and time again, and he reinvented it uh, for the modern audience. Uh, he was able to uh, take the points everybody made fun of, uh, put them out there uh, as a way of saying, look, we get that this is uh, these are the tropes, we understand, but we're not going to fall for that. And then he did exactly those tropes in the movie over and over again, and yet somehow most audience members didn't catch it till the very end that, oh wait, they were making fun of it, but they did every single point, yep. and it was just brilliant because of that. Um, and I know that that's probably a very uh, overused explanation for the movie, but it is exactly why it stood up. So I, I got to go with Scream. I I love Scream, so that's that. I have to throw this out there, and I love Wes Craven. He's one of my all-time favorite horror directors. Um, but for me, it all starts at Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, to me, you have to look beyond just the incredible, terrifying idea mm. that you can create a character that, I mean, what a genius thought that here's someone, everybody has to sleep, yep. you know, so forget about the idea that when you're awake, you know, there are, you can run through the house, you can go to the police, you can go to your parents, you can find it. And then mixing in the idea that here is this man, this figure that attacks you when you have to close your eyes and you go to sleep and has control of this world. But then you mix in the idea of that he's attacking teenagers, yep. which is so genius because, and going after the sins of their parents mm -hmm is such a brilliant, brilliant thing because it's no longer, I'm just going after, and you know, you talk about other movies that we're gonna go over where it's, there's an idea of a brother going after to kill his sister or the husband going after to kill his wife or all of these, somebody I was what wrong. Movies, I wonder what movies you're for. Couldn't, couldn't, right. couldn't tell you, but <laughs> we'll get to it. But the point is, is like, the parents committed the, the, the awful deal of killing this man who was an awful man, yep. a basically a pedophile, basically a murderer of children. Yep. Yep. And that comes back, you know, very rarely in the horror genre, at least not before Nightmare on Elm Street, and you guys can correct me, there was usually a reason mm -hmm. that the villain was, you know, coming back. Yeah. And you could even look at the fact that maybe the villain wasn't such a villain. Yeah. You know, he'd been turned into the monster, into whatever. In this situation, the monster has been a monster all along and evil, and evil comes back to continue what they've been doing as his own revenge. Mm -hmm. And look, nobody's talking about Freddy Krueger, the iconic mm -hmm. idea of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about when I used to have nightmares of sleeping in my room at night, or yeah. Freddy invaded my nightmares, I'm sure he invaded some of yours, I don't know, Mike, but I had some nightmares <laughs> of Freddy Krueger. I still can remember some as a kid. That's powerful, powerful oh, stuff. Yeah. When I'm like, I don't wanna go to sleep, I don't wanna go to sleep, and, oh, wow. and 
It's crazy. Put on, put on another pot. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Elm Street was just unbelievable. I, and you're not wrong. The music, the sound effects, the style, the the, the cra and Craven. By the way, that that idea that I talked about of the evil villain being evil from the beginning and yeah. then coming back is something you see in some of his later movies. Yeah. You know, Shocker throws you some of that. Mm -hmm. Some of his other stuff, it, it's it's there, yeah. and so it's pretty terrifying. No, 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 you're, I mean, you're, it's a great point that you're making. I mean, he's a classic character. It's a really, really oh. interesting concept. Uh, what's going on, Brett? I'm just going to go ahead and try one more time to get the live stream back up. Okay. But if not, we're just going to give up on it and uh, apologize to everybody later. <laughs> no problem. So no, keep no. on going. Keep on going. Keep on going, huh? Yes, sir. So your guy, uh, yeah. I'm going with Scream. You're going with Scream. I'm going with Scream, man. Um, I think Brad said it best. Uh, the tropes that he tackled, like the, the fantastic scene where Nev Campbell's sitting there like, oh, yeah, she runs upstairs when every idiot knows that you're supposed to run outside. And what does she do? Runs her ass right upstairs and hides in the I'll bedroom. I'll be right back. Yeah, I'll be right back. Well, and we also just found out that, unfortunately, it was on screen that uh, one Rose McGowan had some Harvey Weinstein oh, issues, yes. which is a little awful to think about, yeah, that now awful. we know that that's where it was. Yeah. But can I ask you... And there's also the trope of Rose McGowan. Well, oh, I've got nowhere to go. Let, uh, let me try to crawl out the dog the door. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Killer really just looks at it like, come on, man. Ha, really? ha. We got live All right. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that... Uh, so what, was, what were you doing wrong? I The app wasn't liking me, so I just had to finally uh, restart it three different times gotcha. and uh, start it from outside the holder. Gotcha. So... Um, for those of you that have been trying to figure out, uh, if any of you have been trying to figure out uh, why our live stream wasn't going, because uh, we've actually been going for a little bit now. Brad's um, an idiot, that's why. Well, mm, the, the the Facebook app did like us, so we thought we were live streaming. Turns out we weren't. Uh, our bad. But uh, wait, 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 who's bad? <laughs> this is a team effort, dude. Uh, so I just show up and look pretty. I don't know what you're talking about. So for uh, anybody that is curious about what we have been talking about for Alfred Hitchcock, uh, George A. Romero, and the start of Wes Craven's discussion, um, you will be able to catch up on all that in, when I post the edited version of this whole discussion. Uh, hopefully so. tomorrow. Yeah. So, so yeah. right now, um, you know, Brad went scream Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream as well for me. Um, nothing quite like basically taking the slasher genre and bringing it back to life when you were one of the godfathers of the slasher genre to begin with. Yes. And God did it need it because there were some bad slasher movies in the late 80s and early Oh 90s. my gosh. Some terrible ones. <laughs> I mean, and again, so many copycats. Yep. I mean, that's the thing of, oh, yeah. of, of these directors and the genre yeah. we're talking about. But for me, that's, that's why I also stand by Nightmare on Elm Street. The reason I stand by Nightmare on Elm Street is because... He creates a studio with that. Yeah. I mean, New Line becomes yeah. a studio because of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. You know, yeah. Robert England has a horror career that spans decades because of Freddy. Freddy Krueger is right up there with the Jasons and the Michael Myers. I mean, it's you can't get away from that, and that's so amazing. And the one thing I was going to touch upon is also you want to talk about how he he makes fun of himself in a sense, or he goes to a whole new level. I thought New I know, Nightmares, exactly New Nightmares for me yeah. is the next best Freddy Krueger film. Yeah, I, I, I love Dream Warriors, but for <laughs> me, it's original Nightmare on Elm Street, and then it's New Nightmares. Well, for me, I was actually introduced to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise through Final Nightmare. Ah, interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, I, I saw the final With one three D. Uh, no, actually, no, uh, you did not have the three D glasses. Uh, Two D. <laughs> 
uh, broadcast. Okay. Oh, you but, missed out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, that's how I got introduced to Freddie in the first place. And that was the first yeah. time Johnny Depp came back after all those years from the original. Yeah. Yeah. He always retouched that. But yeah, that's why, that's why to me, this Elm Street is just, I mean, again, they rebooted it. Yep. Tried to, unsuccessful in doing that. And obviously that kind of died where it was. But yeah. fascinating stuff. I mean, Wes Craven was just a master in so many different things. Oh, right. R.I.P. ones. So, um, let's go ahead and move on to John Carpenter. This Uh, one was not easy. (laughs) This this was probably one of the hardest that we had to decide. Um, But I'm going to go with one that may not be considered a traditional horror movie, Mm. but uh, I absolutely consider it to be a horror comedy, which is Big Trouble Little China. Um, I think that... The old Porkchop Express. Jack Burton and the old (laughs) Porkchop Express. There's nothing... I I think that it was... uh, Everything a horror comedy should have and could have been at the prime time of the 80s. Yep. Um, it, it had uh, all of the staples of a good um, like supernatural horror uh, film while still being just so out there and absurd and amazing. Yep. Um, plus, one of the best Kurt Russell films uh, that has ever been made. Um And it just worked on so many levels. Uh, And the fact that you could attribute multiple genres to the movie, uh, it kind of goes to uh, point out just how brilliant it is Mm -hmm. because it had so many elements of so many different genres incorporated in there, but they all worked. None of them clashed with each other. So that, I, I think, is absolutely why that's John Carpenter's best. You will never get me, anybody who knows me, who's watching mm-hmm. this or sees this, you'll never get me to argue Big Trouble Little China. Because because how, many, how many years it, was your fantasy football team named the Pork Chop Express? The Pork Chop Express. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Big Trouble to me yeah. is it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah. I don't, I have never, interestingly enough, I have never classified in the horror genre. Really? Uh, there's, there's no question to me there is some Hong Kong horror there, mm-hmm. ghost story stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's no question to me you've got, you could definitely argue there is some horror stuff. I've always looked at it as supernatural, but also more action. Like, that's what I always think about with Big Trouble. I love the idea that, that, that you bring that into the horror genre. Um, so I, I will not argue against one of my favorite films of all time, but I think for Carpenter, I think it all begins and ends with Halloween. Um, For me, the reason is, first of all, the genius idea, it starts with that you take a holiday. That at the time before Halloween ever comes out, there is nothing really sinister for most people when they're in Halloween. Yes, it's ghosts. Yes, it's trick-or-treating. Yes, it's all that stuff. But until Halloween comes out, no one had taken on a holiday like that yeah. and turned it into the scary horror idea of pagan worship, of going, you know, making it this scary. I mean, and that's crazy to think about that you're talking about the 70s, yep. the wow. late 70s in that time. And what does Carpenter do? This is the genius of John Carpenter. You could talk about the fact that, okay, at the time, it's the most successful independent film until Blair Witch Project comes mm-hmm. along 20 sure. years sure. later from a grossing film. God, you no, could, I, was it tw- I thought it was almost 30 years later. No, I think Blair Witch mm-hmm. was 99, if I'm not mistaken, and okay. Halloween was 78. 78. Yeah, but okay. it, this idea and this concept of a holiday, this idea and this concept of what did John Carpenter do and go okay. after? You talk about a guy who does social commentary and politics all the time. Mm-hmm. Parents leave their kids alone. Mm-hmm. 
yep. the babysitting teenager mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, babysitter, oh, yeah. babysitter, babysitter. Oh, yeah. What does he do? I'm going after the babysitters. I'm going after the vulnerable kids yep. and the teenagers who the parents leave to go to their parties and leave them in charge while we go have fun and do what we do. Mm-hmm. And he has this creation and this idea. And then you have to take it a step further for me, which is what does Carpenter really start? Carpenter mm-hmm. starts the idea of the mask, the version of you seeing it from the killer's eye, yes, going after them, yes. stalking it's an it. Incredible first ten minutes. Of a Not movie. in Absolutely. this slow, you know, this quick paced whatever. This is the mm-hmm. slow Michael Myers just walking. Yeah, he's methodical. He's just evil on two legs, oh, as yeah. they put it. Right. Yeah. It's so genius and it's so brilliant and like so many other great films, the music. I mean, I mean that is so iconic, and you can't oh, yeah. think. And here's the thing: can you can you guys think of another horror film where you just say a holiday, mm. and that's one of the first things that comes to people's mind? Mm. I would yeah. challenge you to just. <laughs> I would wow. challenge you to be sitting there having a conversation with someone and say Halloween. Mm. Are you talking about the holiday or are you talking about the film? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, how do you do that? How how does one do that? I'll tell you how he does it. Um, Because this was my choice as well. This one was really hard, though. It's very hard. Like, I was very torn between this and the thing. Mm, Yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy, just to kind of touch on the thing real quick, taking a 50s B sci-fi movie and making it his own. Horror masterpiece. Which, by the way, what are they watching in Halloween? They're That's before the he ever... Planet. Thing yep. from another planet. A little homage before the thing ever comes into existence, yep. by the way. Cool, th- yeah. cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so you get to... You get to Halloween. We good? Yep. Okay, cool. So with Halloween, you get... You know, one of the things that, that you touched on was the shot <laughs> from the perspective of Michael as he's going through killing everybody. But more importantly, it's that you never really know why. Yeah. Like, this kid just snaps and murders his family, murders the babysitter, leaves for whatever reason, leaves Lori, and then the parents just come home and find him holding the knife standing in the front yard, and you don't really know why. And then 30 years later, he snaps again, and he comes home. Yeah, But more importantly, I just... it's, It's the scene that I always love. It's when she finds her friends dead, and she backs up against the doorway, and she just kind of falls down crying... And then you just see the mask in the dark doorway standing yeah. next to her. Well, but remember, that scene is incredible. But, but you got I agree, but you gotta remember something. Until Halloween two comes out, you don't know the connection between Michael Myers and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis well, and right, Laurie right. Strode character. You have no idea. Yeah. So this movie, if you just take it on the surface, is crazy kid yeah. kills his sister comes back into this town has his great you know hero in this nutty psychiatrist yeah. character Sam of Lomas yeah. and it's like when it ends that's that amazing yeah. line right that's still argued about to this day what's the boogeyman yeah. is there a boogeyman what is the thing it's, and this actually, it's unbelievable this goes completely against uh, what you were saying about uh, what Wes Craven was able to uh really point out about so many of the horror movies at the time where you knew uh, the, who the bad guy was, why they were bad, and clearly this had to be why they're bad. This uh, went uh, completely against it and just gave you a villain, and the only reason why you knew they were bad is just because. Right. Uh, you had no idea about motivation. They were just a force of nature, and that changed 
so much about the genre, uh, even the uh, slasher subgenre, because it was able to just make things yeah. exist because they could. And it was the it was the slow it, it burn that so took through the movie too. Yeah, like she'd be walking home with her friend, and you kind of see him peeking out from behind the bushes. She yeah. looks back; he's not there. The scene with the class. The scene with the car. Right, and I mean, and how funny is it? I mean, only only Carpenter could make William Shatner's face. You know, yeah. be the scariest thing in the world. The mold of Shatner's face well, is the I don't know. mask. You've seen Shatner today. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's true. He's gotten pretty bad. Oh. But that iconic, I mean, he makes a legend. Yeah. And he oh, does yeah. it in a tiny budget on the yeah. streets of Pasadena, California, that he creates this yep. world of Haddonfield that yep. now is like, that's I said, it took over a holiday. Small town America, nothing bad could ever happen. That's oh, right. right. Everybody's safe. Everybody's, Everybody's safe. safe. We don't lock our doors at night. Everybody knows everybody. That's right. And he comes back and goes through the town. And then the ending, too, is one of, I think, like the greatest endings in horror history. Right. Where he goes over and they look over and there's nothing there. And, and then that the look music, on Lomas' face. And then the music. <coughs> and then all the different spots. Yep. That you see the pool, that you see the. He could be anywhere. And yep. we don't know. And it's. I will still argue to this day it. that it is probably the greatest horror movie ever made. There's also some great shots in there that fooled people for years. Like, how do you do a shot where the guy gets it with the knife and you see his feet come into the air? You know, little, little special effects that at the time, people really didn't know how they did these things. And there was no CGI. There's none of that stuff. So it's like these great shots that are so brilliant. And what's it mostly done with? It's mostly done with camera and photography and it's done with music yep. and it's done with sound effects yep. heavy breathing you know heavy you know how does that change a genre it's it's amazing stuff it really is and then you know we were talking about john carpenter actually one of my close seconds to all this which i i told him before but you had no idea in the mouth of madness yeah and yeah. in the mouth of madness to me again is yeah. carpenter at his best years later Doing similar to what they did a little bit in New Nightmares, Wes Craven did, but again, basically, Carpenter always has that theme of this world where yep. insanity becomes sanity because yep. there's no sane people left, so your only hope is to go crazy, basically. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the thought of it, and it's always an attack on society. Right. It's always an attack on society. He is a very, very cynical, cynical guy. I got to meet John Carpenter years ago at a horror convention that oh, Mike did not go to. His, can you believe it? He had an opportunity. My brother and I go, we meet him, and my brother, who is a rabbi, he should have known better. So I start up this conversation with Carpenter, and while he was taking maybe 30 seconds with other people, he literally was in like a five or ten minute conversation with us. He found out I was a basketball coach, and he loves the Lakers, and he was talking to me about the triangle offense. And my brother's just sitting there and 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 in the conversation we get back. My brother's a rabbi, yeah. And he's like, "Are you really a rabbi?" And he says, "Yeah." So my brother had written on it, "Keep the faith." You know how he wants him to sign his yeah. "Keep the faith," yeah. John Carpenter. And when Carpenter handed it back to him, the "Keep the faith" was gone. He just wrote John Carpenter. I got him right on a dark and stormy night or whatever. I I, I wrote something like that, which was great for for Jack Burton more. Uh, but just again, the cynical. Yeah. And you know how he's always attacking his movies, priest or yeah. religion or yeah. whatever it is. It was like you know these guys really feel the way they feel. Oh, like yeah. he wouldn't even sign an autograph. Oh, well. Keep the faith of the rabbi. It was like. That's great. But Carpenter, oh, it's very hard for me too because I feel like Carpenter because I know he's gonna try to reboot Halloween with Danny McBride in this well. group, but. I, I'm I feel like I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I hope. I feel like Carpenter has really, well, unlike Romero, unlike Wes, 
you want to talk about a guy who kind of James Cameron writer block kind of went into a world where he just hasn't come up with anything good in about 20 years I like I liked the ward I liked the war, but it wasn't very original. No, it wasn't something I, I know, but most Carpenter people did not like the war. But I felt like it was a it was a return to his early a stuff. bit of it, yeah. a bit of it. But it's been a long time since Carpenter's made a uh, a real return. I hope yeah. this new Halloween is plus. Be it can't be any worse than what Rob Zombie did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what uh, kind of time y'all are looking at, so let's go ahead and uh, try to push through these uh, a little yeah. bit quicker for the uh, rest of them. Uh, next up is going to be James Wan. Uh, he definitely falls under the modern director category. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I have to go Insidious. Yeah. Um, James Wan, I think, uh, was able to take uh, with Insidious the um, the supernatural element of horror and reinvigorate it to a whole new level with uh, Insidious and uh, even Insidious 2. Uh, I think that he was able to do something that was so desperately needed um, since the last, I, I think really the last great supernatural horror movie uh, before that had been uh, Poltergeist. Uh, if you really think back about what which ones stand out to you. Uh, and so he took a subgenre of horror that was needing just a lot of life put back into it and he did it in an amazing way. Um, and he did it in a way that uh, genuinely terrified me because I actually don't get scared by horror movies very often anymore. I just, I've, I've kind of gotten a bit numb. But, <laughs> I said often. <laughs> often. It's good, it's good. You cleared it up. Uh, cleared it up. But Insidious, <laughs> Insidious got me. Yeah. Insidious was amazing. Yeah, Insid Insidious was very good. Um, my problem with this is that James Wan creates a whole new genre, in a sense, with Saul. And Saw yep. starts a whole new world. We talked about is that, how... Is that a good thing? Uh, I actually believe that what he did with the original Saw was a good thing. Okay. Where it went from there is a totally different story. Yeah, him and Eli Roth uh, making the torture porn subgenre, uh, that that defined the 2000s modern uh, horror. But and to me, the problem is, is that I don't think that's what Juan was trying to do with Saw. I really don't. Sure. I think that that's what became and came. I think Eli Roth was. Oh, I, I think Eli Roth is. Was. He gets off on this stuff. Oh, yeah. Take that however you want it. Or, but, you know, beating Nazis with baseball. Bats. Yeah, that too. But um, Juan is. Saw was smart. Yes, it had the idea of this torture stuff, but there was something behind it. Yeah. In the film itself, the way that Jigsaw is making them go through these different That's true. puzzles That's and true. pieces okay. and, and, and to, okay. to atone for their sins in a sense. I don't, and obviously the ending and the climactic scene where they're having to cut off whatever, yeah. but the point is like, there's always a game to it that they didn't have to do that. Yes. You know, there's always, they right. chose to go right. the violent path, kind of like society. Juan is amazing at that. And okay. that's why it, maybe he wanted all these saws to be made after it. I'm, I know he's not hurting the pocketbook because of all oh, of no, it. Right, but right. at least the original saw, if you go back and take it for what it is, to me, is far less gory and that torture porn, I think, than what was copycatted after what they did what in... the recent ones. Right, when they had to come up with the... I okay. think he was thinking something okay. different with okay. it, maybe. But... I'll be honest, like I told him, that is, I have to give him credit for that because that was kind of the big start, but Conjuring 2 to me, yeah. 
I'm telling you, I saw that movie when it came out a year ago, year and a half ago. That was yeah. not only one of the best sequels yeah. I've ever seen, yeah. it was one of the better horror films I'd seen in a long time, especially with the whole idea of possession and exorcism. And it was so good and yeah. so well done. And I was worried about him. Yeah. I was worried about where his career was going, right. and now I'm going to do Fast and Furious movies and all this other stuff. But he really, I, yeah. he really, he, he got me with that. I was like, all right, one is one is there. So okay. I'm a big fan. Speaking of Fast, who, who did you see the last two Fast and Furious movies with? With you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The last one was awful. The one before it wasn't as horrible, but the last one just. I haven't seen it. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't. Mm. You know, when people are, when, when you're lifting up. You know, warheads with your bare arms and the, the rock. I'm throwing, yeah, and of course throwing the rock. them other ways and doing whatever. I'm sorry, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on that. I'm out on that. Nuclear submarines coming through the ice and chasing down cars oh, and people. What I mean, what are you gonna do now? Let's Sounds like you made a great horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good point. Now, so getting back on track. Yep. Um, I think Brad definitely knocked it out of the park. It's insidious for me. Yep. Um, like Brad said, it, uh, it, it's very tough, mm -hmm. um, but it's what was needed for an entire genre of horror movies. Yeah. Because it needed life breathe back into it. You know, we had kind of gone more back to the slasher route and just cutting people up and blood and guts and this and that. And then you actually take a guy that really delves more into the supernatural and really kind of tackling your innermost fears of the unexplained and why things happen this way and everything like that, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. Well, let's not forget that uh, the modern supernatural horror movie has uh, shifted, almost completely sh uh, shifted subgenres to be uh, part of the found footage uh, mm -hmm. genre rather than pure supernatural. Right. Uh, and so Insidious was uh, what brought it back to uh, the super, uh, true supernatural roots, rather like than the, uh, the ghost story, uh, oh my gosh, this happened, Blair Witch thing. Yeah, almost like James um, Wan was sitting there like, no, 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 enough of this crap. Yeah, we're getting back to the basics. Yeah. Which is why I believe that even though Saw made him a known quantity, Insidious, I think that was his idea of, I don't like where this is going, yeah. exactly. going exactly. and I'm going to turn it around. And that's why he tried to do things like Dead Silence. Mm -hmm. You know, Annabelle and all this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Came, no, you know, Annabelle, I think, definitely. You know, it I think that's why The Conjuring and Insidious and all of these yeah. things, he yeah. wanted to take it in a different right. path. He was done with the whole, yep. you know, gore, yep. overly tortured yep. stuff. Yep. And so that's what makes him a fascinating director. <laughs> yep. So, and uh, speaking of Annabelle, uh, the uh, next director that we have coming up is Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. I was Tom about to say, Holland. he was fantastic. Why are... <laughs> <laughs> Tom Holland as in... Uh, child's play, <laughs> and this uh, this is where I'm, uh, I have to come in and say child's play uh, is the reason why a movie like Annabelle was able to be made in the first place um, because it was like uh, Birds with Hitchcock uh, was able to take something as innocuous as a child's toy and turn it into the most demented uh, demonic thing uh, ever, and it just worked. Yep. Um, I mean, Chucky is one of uh, the probably top three um, definitive horror movie villains. Dude, and he's making like $20 million a year as the Monday Night Football analyst, too. <laughs> John Gruden, shout out. He is Chucky. Oh my god. Oh, no. I don't know if not I can agree with you on that. I love Chucky. I don't know if I'd put Chucky in top three, but Maybe he's definitely five. iconic. At least he's top, 100 at least top five, yes. if not top yes. three. I love yeah. Chucky. I, love I mean, him. 
Sorry, the, the, I, the, I, the Charles I Lee Ray to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact that they were able to even make uh, yet another uh, addition to the series this year. I mean, the original one came out, uh, what was it, uh, early 80s? 88, I think. Yeah, uh, late 80s, yeah. yeah. And uh, they still have uh, additions to that franchise coming out now. Yeah. Literally, I mean, straight to streaming. Yeah. <laughs> used to be straight to VHS, straight to DVD, straight to streaming. Well, Cult of Chucky, this of Chucky, that of Chucky. about a $3 million budget? Oh my uh, god, who knows, who knows. <laughs> hey, at least it's uh, continuing to keep Jennifer Tilly employed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm sure that. you have you seen her lately? I have not. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you'd be saying that. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I think child's play. I, I mean, I love Chucky. I mean, yeah. friends to the end. This I, I mean, end this friend. is the end friend. I mean, that stuff. The good guy doll, like. It, it yes. was so brilliant because it had been tried earlier with movies like Dolls or Puppet Master or things like that. And, and, and you yes. saw it even in some of the tales from the dark side and tales from the crypt things that were yes. done. But these dolls that... It was brilliant because, again, they play on the fear of nobody's going to believe a kid. Right. Nobody's going to believe a kid that yep. some doll has taken over and right. doing these things because there's got to be a rational explanation for everything. And... It's just genius, and then the idea that we are sitting here basically being terrified by this little, wow. you know, just kick him. one foot <laughs> thing that's walking around with a knife and doing what he's doing is so ridiculous, oh, but yeah. it works. I don't, I've never been able to figure out why Child's Play worked so well. well. And then it, uh, Child's Play uh, was able to give inspiration to uh, R.L. Stein, who was able to then take the idea of what Child's Play uh, gave us and continue to convey that whole uh, idea, that, that whole uh, concept to a younger generation when we were uh, growing up, right. uh, which in turn turned us back to find out about Child's Play and uh, the whole franchise, which... I mean, the the fact that you automatically saw in our uh, childhood uh, the influence of a director like uh, Tom Holland and this movie uh, was already having an impact and is continuing to have an impact with other uh, iterations even today. It, it just it continues to feed the cycle. It, it is what makes it so. Yeah, and perfect. anytime Chris Sarandon can be believable in a film, it's yes. always you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to throw that out there. But it, it's it's I, I I love Chucky. I love Child's Play. I I think it it definitely sparked a whole. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's one of those iconic characters, but again, and I go back and I watch it, and it's so bad, but yet it's so good. Yes. I can't take my eyes yes. away from the screen now. All the sequels and everything after that, I can't even watch the <laughs> whole can't, thing. Can't go, get, go some Bride of Chucky at like The next the one that I liked ah, probably ah. was Bride of Chucky. That was probably the next one in the series that I actually thought was well done. No Spawn of Chucky? No, really? no, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. They literally took... I mean, the only thing I'm going to say is F. Martha Stewart is one of the great lines yeah. that I heard in a later you know, Chucky film. But after that, you know, I love that. Who the is Martha Stewart? Like, I mean, it's just <laughs> awful that it's great. Oh, my gosh. Really but, Andy, we're friends to the end. Go ahead. You're, you're up. You're yeah. Up. So, so, steer us away from Chucky. Yeah. Well, we'll try to compete friends. with that. <laughs> so, yet again, they're both wrong. <laughs> wow. He's debating Chucky. Better leave a light on when you go to sleep tonight. <laughs> I ain't got to worry, man. I ain't got to worry. I'm just going to kick him. <laughs> 
or send my you know dog on them. Um, no, for me, um, child's place not a, not a bad choice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he's going with that. I'm going Fright Night, man. Classic, classic story. Like, oh hey, a vampire moves in next door to you. What are you gonna do? Like, really, what are you gonna do? Like, you're a teenager. Nobody really believes you. Like, you go to the authorities, they, oh, come on, vampires aren't real, this and that. You see them murdering people in, you know, kind of like a, uh, like a, sh like a, uh, like a rear window kind of vibe that you got going on there. But more importantly, for me, it's kind of, it took a, it took a play on this whole thing of, like, the kid would always watch the Fright Night show. Right. From the, you know, the dude that was an actor, and then come to find out it's all real. Right. Like he's actually, it's a, cool you know, thing. It's, it's a really cool concept kind of blending like the, I guess the horror comedy, but more importantly, it takes a very real aspect of like, Hey, like a vampire moves in next door. Nobody really believes you. Nobody, you know, you're sitting there crying for help and everything like that. Right. So like a teenage kid basically has to take it on his own with this actor that plays a vampire hunter and basically go save his girlfriend and kill a vampire. I mean, I hear you. I, my problem with Fright Night was always, I just felt there's cheese and then there's real cheese. And I felt that Fright Night was very, very cheesy. I always, like, I don't know why. I, I could never read. get over the <laughs> cheesiness of it. Like, I, I, it's And just, just to, to, to make this point about Fright Night, remember, he, uh, Tom Holland also, uh, not Tom Holland, um, Tope, uh, yeah, Tom, Tom Holland also uh, had a writing credit for the remake. The remake was good. I will argue that the remake oh, was a good movie. It was so bad. It Mike. was not that bad. Okay. Um, okay, so you know what? Next week, all three of us are going to sit down and watch the remake of Fright Night. No, nope. I will not. Nope. <laughs> Really? Oh, but you watch Child's Play. I'm, I, I've got, I watched the remake I've got something to do, like floss my teeth for an hour and a half. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, I got a dentist appointment at the end oh. of next week. I think I'll be doing that. I, I just, and it sounds funny for me to say, like, cheesy when we just got over talking about Chuck. I know, But right. there's something that just, I don't know for me. I know there's something who love Fright Night. I it love it. It's a classic, It just didn't work man. for me. I, I don't know. I can never get that out of my head. But it a 12-inch murderous doll worked for you. I, that's what I always say. I don't know how Child's Play worked. I don't know how it worked, but it genuinely scared me, <laughs> and it genuinely, like, was enjoyable, and Chucky becomes this character. Fright so Night. If I take <laughs> Chucky, and I throw his ass out the window of a Manhattan flat, you better, you better hey, remember, blow up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling. I mean, you ain't making it through the night. For, first movie, he got thrown out the window. He got burned. <laughs> he got shot. He still came back. What was it? It, it was the second movie that, uh, was it the second or the third one where he got put into a wood chipper? And he still came back. That was this. Is that the second one? The wood chipper? No, the second, second one was, was when they were in the factory. Yeah. And he's like getting like yeah. tear torn apart by the robot yep. machine. It's like yep. doing all that stuff. But I hear you. I'm not one to say oh, cheesy or not cheesy. I don't know. Fright yeah. Night for me just. I would never put it on that iconic list. So yet again, David's wrong. There you go. All right. So uh, next up, we have Tobe Hooper. Uh, so Tobe Hooper, uh, for me, I got to go with Poltergeist. Um, <clears throat> Poltergeist, what, uh, for me, is the definitive ghost movie. Mm -hmm. It's the definitive uh, movie about uh, just the, the supernatural uh, ghost story stuff. Um, 
Like, I, I saw it the first time as a kid. I loved it. Uh, I still love it. Uh, I, I just introduced uh, my wife to it, and she... I'm sure she was okay with it, uh, but, yeah, and she has been just with moved all, into a new house. Uh, let your poltergeist, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As she has been with like every other uh, horror movie that I've introduced her to. But uh, I, I, I think Poltergeist is uh, it's my favorite ghost uh, movie. It's in my opinion, it's my uh, it's in my top five horror movies of all time. I just uh, I I think it has so many good things, especially the cinematography. You can uh, tell from the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heavy, heavy influence that Spielberg had uh, with yeah. Tope. Being, I mean, Spielberg was an, uh, was the producer for Second it. Second producer. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, going into that, you could see the influence of him all over the place, and you could tell that uh, Tope Hooper and his cinematographer uh, had such respect for Spielberg's style. It just... It came across oozing uh, with every shot, and it was amazing. I don't know why anybody would have respect for Spielberg, but, you know. So, the, he, he is doing that because yep. I'm sitting next to you, and yep. he knows that is my end-all and be-all greatest director of all time. Now, here is my issue. Okay with and you and I Exactly. And I'm glad, thank you, that you're a smart okay. man. Okay. So, I, I want to I express something. So, I, I like Tobe Hooper. I, I, I like Poltergeist. Poltergeist is also one of my, it would be on my top 100 list all-time movies. Yes. I love that movie. My wife loves that movie. It is a movie that no matter when that comes on, and yep. my wife is not a big Drum, horror yep, fan no, or whatever, she, she like loves Poltergeist. Like, we joke yeah. about it all the time. She loves it. Yeah. yeah. For You brought up, you gave me all the firepower that I was going to need by saying everything you said, because here is my problem. Even though I like Poltergeist, I like the film that I'm going to talk about, my favorite, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I even liked Life Force for crying out loud. But here is my problem. For everything you said, I, and I know my brother shares this feeling with me, we don't believe Tobe Hooper is responsible for Poltergeist. Really? We believe wholeheartedly that Spielberg is responsible for Poltergeist for everything you just said. I, it's just, (laughs) from what you see with the documentaries that have come out, from what you hear from people involved in the film, even though Spielberg denies it, everybody else doesn't deny it. Mm. And I think that when things weren't working out right, Spielberg, with everything we talked about, was going wrong with that. And I don't want to get into all the supernatural stuff, but there, it, was a night, it was a nightmare shoot. Yeah. Spielberg was the producer. They were so over budget. They were so over schedule and everything that went on. I think Spielberg booted Hooper to the side for a lot of it. And that's what it sounds like what you're, that Hooper didn't even finish the shoot on it. Mm. Spielberg took that thing. And I think it is a Steven Spielberg movie. And I don't think... I, I, and again, I'm going to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a minute, but my problem is it's too Spielberg-like to believe that Tobe Hooper okay. was doing that film. So okay. I agree with you with all the greatness about Boulder guys. The problem is I think we're giving credit to the Hooper. wrong guy. I got think it. that his name's got on got it, it, but I don't think he really <laughs> did it. I think Spielberg oh, no. did it. So um, that's just where I stand a little poltergeist series. I think it's that's great. And I think it's and, and I think that it is. I, I believe that's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's fine that Toby <coughs> now my favorite Toby Hooper film of all time. It's yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I don't think okay. it's Spielberg any credit for that. The, the <laughs> wow. what Toby Hooper did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
is iconic. It's legendary. I mean, you want to talk about no budget. Yep. You want to talk about oh, shooting yeah. in the back oh, yeah. country, yeah. Texas, whatever, based on a serial killer story, <laughs> you know, that is so ridiculous. And what does the man do? The man makes a film that is, what is it really all about? It's really all about anti-meat eating. It's really a film about pro-bean vegetarian. That's so in there. It's about the slaughterhouse and the family. And we're so grossed out by the idea, you know, uh, nobody has a problem with eating meat. You know, he was so ahead of his time. But everybody, no one had a problem with the way animals were being treated. But you substitute a human being treated like that with the whole cannibal idea and the whole putting them up on the meat hooks and the whole idea of all this family and the slaughterhouse and what they're doing. And all of a sudden we're all horrified and just... And there's so many great shots in that film. Hmm. The terror of these people. You know, Leatherface has become an icon through the years. But the truth is that in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface isn't really the star. Leatherface is just part of this crazy family and he comes out with the chainsaw and they're all kind of nuts. But it's like... The the girls are the star, the whore, the terror, everything going on. Yeah. And then Leatherface okay. becomes this transformation or whatever. And that great scene where at the end you think she's finally gotten away. And it's like the car stops and you find out, oh, he's involved too. Got it. It's yeah. brilliant. It's okay. brilliant for what it is. And it's iconic. And I think it, the shots, and I think it just changes horror films forever in many ways. Because, again, it's like, what really bothers you as an audience person, you know? And can we really find a lot of cannibal movies or is that the start of the, the cannibal genre? You could argue maybe it is in a weird way, but... I, I, I think of uh, Ch- Texas Chainsaw as uh, a redefining of the slasher genre more than the cannibal genre, just because it has so many of the slasher tropes uh, while at the same time adding to it, I, I feel like it was just the natural evolution of it. Interesting. See, to me, it was always a film about being a vegetarian, why we get grossed out, the whole... I, I just think there's too much there for that. Okay. And that's why it wasn't as simple of a, as a movie. Okay. It's just a guy chasing around, trying yeah. to cut people no, up no, no. and yeah. do whatever. I can, I, can but, see what you're, I, see, I see what you're saying. Okay. I'm still wrong. Um... <laughs> Go ahead. Defend, uh, defend, my favorite director. Home for Polder, guys. <laughs> defend my favorite director. You're going to talk about one of his great, another one of his great films right here. Go ahead. Sing his praises. Rumor. <laughs> Rumor to be a Spielberg movie. It's amazing that Toe Hooper never used any of those shots or that sort of cinematography in any other film he no, ever did. Just on Polder, guys. A collaborative David stop a collaborative using logic. Is, a collaborative effort is still a contract. Contribution for both, okay? It's a contribution for both. There you go. There you go. I I mean, that just has Tobe Hooper written all over it, that movie. Go ahead, Mike. Talk about Tobe Hooper's greatness. Go ahead. I'm going to take a 20-second timeout. Bring it home for Poltergeist, man. Come on. Come on, man. No, I... Go, go, Carol Ann. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh... I, I agree a lot with what you said with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just for me, I like Poltergeist more. Um, I think it is the definitive, like, haunted house movie. Mm, okay. I think that concept of, like, oh, moving into a haunted house and everything like that 
is a really interesting concept, but this kind of takes it into like what a poltergeist is. Why is it haunted? The kind of terror that they go through, like the whole scene with the kids sitting there at the uh, the TV, like they're here. Right. Let's not like forget waking up in the middle of the night, like just such great scenes like that. Yeah, right, I know. Go right. ahead, go ahead and talk about Spielberg. Blah 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 blah. blah. But, but, let's not forget. This is the first movie. Uh, I think this is the first movie ever, ever that uh, used the uh, uh, Indian burial ground uh, right. thing. That, that, and that's what you were just hitting at. Not only the Indian burial ground thing, right, that, that was literally a call of what did we do right. to these Native Americans, moving them from place to place and right. getting rid of them, and also an attack on real estate, mm -hmm. on the whole idea of land. Remember, that's at the heart of Poltergeist. Oh, and we just, we've done it before. We'll do it again. We just come in and do that yeah, to yeah. everybody. But to yeah. me, it's more like... Your home is where you're supposed to feel safest. It's supposed to where you go for shelter. Yeah. And when your own home is attacking you, terrorizing your family, terrorizing you, like that's a very, it's a very troubling and unsettling. Very thought. scary. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I know. Poltergeist is a brilliant, brilliant film. There's no whoever directed it. Poltergeist <laughs> is a brilliant film and uh, always one of my favorites. And and also. I think, you know, some of it's a little cheap, but the, is there more of a terrifying clown scene than maybe in almost any horror film? All the people that talk about clowns from It to Funhouse to yeah. all the things that people have done with the clowns, that clown scene, and also what about an iconic scene of the lightning and the thunder idea of how close it is to your house? Yeah. That scene forever, I even sit there still to this day and I'm like, okay, I hear it. One, yep. two, three. Like it's it's yep. amazing, amazing stuff in that way. It's not just the camera shots, it's the writing, it's oh, well. the acting, it's the idea. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. It really is. And the remake was not great. Well, I think the remake <laughs> I think with just the remake slide got, that in there, are you? Yeah, I, I think the remake got <laughs> right. I love was, uh, it, it actually improved the clown part. Uh, the, the rest of it had scary. issues, but I think the clown part actually got improved by the remake. And I like the idea that they could go in and see what was going on in that other world. Yeah. But I mean, and and can we just talk about? But I mean, actually, that, I think that took away from the remake because I think that was part of the uh, movie that we didn't need to see because it was just able to be implied and let our imaginations run with it rather than needing to see what's on the other side of the. Curtain. And how great! I mean, an iconic character yeah. in Zelda. Oh, you know, my oh my god, this house is clear. I mean, oh. it is so good. Yeah. It's so good. So I'm at like 15% battery. Yeah, go, you can go ahead and kill it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, David Cronenberg. Uh, David Cronenberg, uh, I got to go with the fly for him. Um, yeah, I, I think the fly uh, was able to um, take something that nobody really thought about uh, before. You know, it took the monster movie concept, but it, uh, it was able to take the whole, uh, create the whole idea of we are the monster and show that transformation in a way that had never been done before. I think it made uh, a whole new uh, subgenre of monster movies that just, uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, that, that just really made it worth it. Uh, I, I think it defined a new subgenre for the subgenre of monster movies. And so, definitely yeah. made Jeff Goldblum's career. Oh, absolutely. Out. Oh my God. Without, without the fly, I don't think he would have gotten uh, half the roles he did. I agree. Because the fly put him on what, the map what, 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 so what, 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 what well. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, it's just Goldblum. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, oh yeah, uh, in, in, in an attempt to uh, run through these last three directors a little bit faster, uh, yeah. what do you think? What do you got? Uh, Dead Zone. 
to me, Dead Zone. Dead Zone is the, in my humble opinion, I think it might be the best Stephen King adaption ever made. If you read it, if you read, I've seen it, but Stephen King, if you go to Dead Zone and you open that book at any point, you can match it up with what's going on in the film. Okay. And it's Christopher Walken and his Baz. I love Martin Sheen in that movie. Did you see The Dark Tower? It's, I, yes, I saw The Dark <laughs> Tower. We're not even going to go down there. I love The Dark Tower. I'm one of the few I people. Saw, I, I was sitting I, right next to I know, to we're you one of the few people I think that did like The Dark Tower, but um, I just love Dead Zone. It's such a great movie. It really is, and it literally follows the book. No, 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 that's awesome. Um, it's not a bad choice at all. Dead Zone's fantastic. Uh, I went with Scanners, personally. Um, Great perfect blend of sci-fi and horror. Not really seeing that kind of balance in movies at that time, or that kind of concept of like psychic abilities and people out there in the world and what they can do and everything like that. It was a very interesting take on kind of that paranoia of like you don't know what people are capable of kind of thing. So that's why I went with Scanners. And I think part of my problem with Cronenberg is that after these films, as he he made some stuff that was interesting, but as he gets into the later years, yeah. he decided to go he off the deep end. He like he dropped just, off. He just, you know, he did things like Crash. He did things like Existence. He did, you know, he, yeah. he did Naked Lunch. He he just he went crazy. I, some there's good stuff in there, but yeah. these I think there is something that he was able to go off of other great writers yeah. or a, a direction yeah. Yeah. before he got into oh, I'm going to write everything and now I'm just going to go completely out of my mind yeah. all this yeah. stuff. So he lost his way somewhere. It doesn't yeah. mean he hasn't yeah. still made some good movies, but I think we covered to me three of his best films so oh, far. Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't think that there is uh, any way that the. Uh, the later flops uh, could in any way overshadow the uh, the original uh, greats or uh, the original great ones help prop up the bad ones uh, later on. I, I think yeah. that you have to see his career as two different points and just understand there is a tonal shift. And if you're going to be able to appreciate his work, you got to look at the earlier stuff mm -hmm. because of what happened so uh, later on. Yeah. It's just... It's what happens to some directors, but he was so definitive oh, uh, early on that you, it's hard not to think of David Cronenberg when you're talking horror. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, next up we have Sam Raimi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, it looks like all three of us went within the same um, uh, series. Although I was very, I was very torn. I really wanted to go Dark Man, but. Mm. Yeah, we talked about that. But uh, yeah, so I went with uh, the original Evil Dead. Um, I gotta say that uh, it, it it took the uh, the kind of suspenseful and monster movie elements, threw them together really, really well. Uh, threw in a little bit of supernatural uh, and just did it on such a low budget mm -hmm. uh but when it was all done you couldn't really tell how low of a budget you could figure oh no they, they probably didn't have much to work with yeah. but when you look back to find out just how little they had to work with it didn't really show uh and that that i think uh just shows how great sam raimi is that he was able to do so much with so little uh and with uh such young and um at that time inexperienced actors I mean, uh, heck, it, it, this is the movie that was able to uh, properly establish um, uh, 
uh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's uh, career uh, for the the greatness of all of us. Yep. Uh, so yeah, no, I I think that the original Evil Dead uh, did so much good for just the horror genre as a whole, let alone the subgenres it touches on. Um, and honestly, the fact that uh, he was uh, helped write and produce the remake, right? Mm -hmm. um, I actually uh, like the remake a lot, uh, and. I think that what it was able to contribute because of Sam Raimi's influence uh, helped to improve upon the original in the ways that it should have. What was better, the remake of Evil Dead or the remake of Fright Night? <laughs> remake of Evil Dead. You're a bad person. <laughs> wow. And that's hard to say because uh, the like remake of Fright of Night had... <laughs> to be honest with you. That, that's hard for me to say because the remake of uh, Fright Night had both David Tennant and Anton Yelchin in it, and that hurts me to be able to say uh, that I prefer anything over a movie with both of them in there, but I do. So. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love all the Evil Dead stuff. Um, my favorite of all of them is Army of Darkness, but I'm not, I, I can't classify that as the horror film necessarily. I think that just goes completely to well, a different genre, which is great, horror sure. comedy or whatever you want to call it. But I think I mean, Evil this, Dead... This is my boomstick. <laughs> Evil Dead 2, yeah. to me, is the best of the entire series if we're going to stick with the horror genre, because everything you said about Evil Dead was accurate my problem is I can't get over the fact that it is so low budget. And to me, I know really? that for you, you may not catch on it, but I do. Yeah. There's choppiness. There's scenes that are too dark. Oh, no. You can definitely tell. You can just tell. And you it doesn't take away from his genius. Budget. Yeah. And it's just, he gets it right in Evil Dead 2 because he worked off of a hit. And now he had the money to go do it right. Okay. And then with that, so there's a lot to me of the original that mm -hmm. I think he wanted to do in Evil Dead 1 and didn't have the money to do that he then uses in Evil uh, yeah, Dead 2. Okay. So there's a little repetition okay. there, I think, as well. But then he gets more funny with Evil Dead 2. He doesn't take himself as seriously, but he still takes himself seriously enough to make a good horror film. Okay. So to me, that's why I've always liked it. I've just never been able to get over just some of the shots and stuff in Evil Dead where I'm like, I think I see what's going on, but I'm not 100% sure I'm seeing what I'm seeing right now. Is and it's an fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's just like Evil Dead 2 to me, I think is a better representation of what he was capable of doing. What, you didn't like the tentacle porn scene from uh, the first one? <laughs> I can never get over a tree raping a girl. Man, that Sorry. Created, that created an entire genre. <laughs> an entire yeah. genre. I can never like, <laughs> well, I like that scene bothers <laughs> me so much. Well, that's the, um, but, that's, but that's the point. No, I it's know, but it's like. Oh, no, it, it, it bothers me too. Yes, it bothers <laughs> us all, but it's like. I don't know. I, I just think Evil Dead 2 to me is like his, his... That is like, to me, his beginning, if that makes sense. Like, that's yeah. where I like to officially yeah. start the series in a weird way. Oh, no, I got you. Uh, uh, definitely. Yeah, I agree with a lot with what you said, but for me, like Brad said, it's the first one. The fact that he did it on such a low budget. Um, it's the fact that, like, after everything that Ash has been through, like, it gets to the point where the spirits are just pestering him and just messing with him, and, like, they reanimate his dead girlfriend... And her head's sitting there talking to him, like, after he decapitates her and he's sitting there and he's 
crying over himself, and the body gets up and starts pesterizing him. Like, it's just like, yeah. God, what else is this poor guy going to go through? Oh, yeah. Like, it just keeps building and piling and piling and piling. But it also, like, the whole, oh, we're going to go off to the to the woods and we're going to hang out in this guy. Like, how many future horror movies have used that setting? That's yeah. right. That's oh, yeah. right. That goes without saying. Yeah. Like, oh, now we're alone, we're secluded, we're... Like, what, what are we going to face from here on yeah. out? And it, uh, the creation of that movie was able to uh, inspire so many uh, up-and-coming horror directors uh, and well, film school students to be able to figure out, hey, if Sam Raimi was able to do this, we can use the same idea to be able to make our low budget uh, and see what we can do with it. Well, like, look at, so. look at Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Well, Cabin in the Woods to me but is they're in the woods. Like it's it's a it's a satirical, I, but like they're in the without woods. A they doubt. find the the mock of the Necronomicon and read from it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. no, no, no. Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite satirical. It goes right up there with like when you say Zombie Land. It oh, goes yeah. right up there with Army of Darkness. It goes but I mean, right like, there you, with can, that you genre. can you can see the direct influence from the original Evil Dead. But I think I think there. Yeah, no. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I think there's some there. I actually think you want to talk about a movie that inspires me. I'm not convinced. I've never heard them say it, but Blair Witch had to have some Evil Dead inspiration. Oh, absolutely, without if, a doubt. If it didn't, had then there's to. something wrong with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, last director, uh, and this, uh, along with James Wan, is one of the M Night Shyamalan. Oh, no, okay, didn't go with him. is yeah. the defining director for modern horror films uh, starting in the 2000s. Um, this is Eli Roth. Will you stop it? Fair. This full, is full this is the one I don't agree with. Yeah, full, full disclosure, none of the three of us are actually fans of Eli Roth. Okay, fine. <laughs> two of the three of us aren't fans the of Eli Roth. Two people that are smart and right are... However, you know, we can see the influence of him. Uh, we can see that if it wasn't for uh, guys like him and James Wan, uh, then uh, other directors like Rob Zombie... Uh, and whole genres uh, would not exist. Like the whole torture porn, the, the style of uh, shooting, the, the types of uh, framing that he uses for his shots, that guys like Rob, uh, guys um, all throughout the 2000s, especially the, uh, the Saw sequels, all use the same types of shots that Eli Roth did. Uh, he was, has been such a heavy, heavy influence. Um, and that, that just cannot be ignored. Um, and of course, the big one for him was Hostel. Uh, Hostel, if you were going to talk about the, uh, the subgenre of torture porn uh, within uh, the horror movie genre, Hostel is the defining movie for it. Uh, even, I think even more than Saw, um, Hostel uh, took everything that Saw put out there, but it cranked it so far off the charts to the point where uh, if you didn't feel uncomfortable watching it, then there's something seriously wrong with you. Uh, and he wanted it that way, but because of that, uh, he was able to find a certain uh, style of cinematography that just hadn't been done before, and he, he revolutionized uh, the horror genre for the times. So, yeah. I, I cannot argue with it. I'm going to have to take it down a notch. I think <laughs> I had a lot of hope for Eli Roth after his first couple of films. Mm -hmm. And I know Mike's going to mention his favorite, which was preceded uh, Hostel, which was a different type of movie. I am going to put Hostel up there because I think that's what puts Eli on the map. Um, I think Eli Roth, 
Um, I like him more as an actor. Yeah. I think I give him credit for what he did with Hostel because I think there is a lot being said in Hostel. Uh, there's no doubt the idea of the dumb Americans, mm -hmm. this idea of what we have of going abroad and not having respect for anything and touring it. And then, you know, this yep. whole torturous idea and, and what he does. And, and I agree with you. I think it starts a genre and a lot of copycats. So you have to give him credit for that. My problem has, I think Eli Roth is a very smart man. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think no, he's no, a very, very smart man. I think Eli's problem is is that he was taken by Quentin Tarantino. He was taken yeah. by Robert Rodriguez. Oh yeah. And I think that yeah. he has tried to follow in those guys' footsteps to a fault. Where, Rodriguez. Yes, where he Special has Rodriguez. lost his way, shall we say. And I think the problem is you're not Quentin Tarantino, Eli. You're not Robert Rodriguez. Yep. You're Eli Roth, and you have to be Eli Roth. And yeah. I think that he, and now even in his new film that's coming out, which is uh, the remake of Death Wish with yeah. Bruce Willis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, it would be wonderful if it was entertaining or good or whatever, but it's just like, he, he doesn't have his own vision. I feel like somewhere along the way he got lost. Yeah. Like, I would have loved to see him make Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, that would have been great. Because well, I think, there was talk of it for so long. Yeah, and I yeah. think that, I think what happened with Eli is he started to take himself too seriously a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And he lost his way. That's, that's where I feel with it. So Hostel is, Hostel's great. The movie you're going to talk about, I Don't Want to Steal Your Thunder, is great. It's good stuff. And he's got some good stuff even in, there are moments in Hostel too. Oh, yeah. There are moments in Green Inferno. But it's just like... I don't know where Eli Roth is going, and that's why for me, I agree with you that I guess there is a place on the list for him with horror genre, but I would put so many filmmakers ahead of him in so many ways for what they've done, and I'm not really sure where he's going. Like, I, 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 yeah. I don't... Uh, do you yeah. have any idea where Eli Roth is going? Man, I don't, because, like, he's not almost a completely one... Like, a complete 180. Yeah. Yeah, like... like I, I can see, uh, like, one of his uh, followers, uh, Rob Zombie, uh, you can always see where he's going because uh, he primarily focuses on redoing other people's work, yeah. but he does it with his own style. So you at least know what he wants. I'm going to cut your hands off. I'm going to cut your hands off. Redoes people's style. Hey, you ready to hit that? Scene? Except he doesn't really do it in his style. Hey. He redoes it in their style. Hey, you ready? Hey, hey. <laughs> he liked that. He liked that. I already know. JJ, we love you, JJ. Keep on redoing everybody else's stuff. Oh, oh but it's an homage to all of them. I'm gonna need you to kill that live feed real quick. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, so, <laughs> right, so what? 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 Uh, what's your Eli Roth movie? Go ahead. I know, I'm sorry. I just hurt your feelings. JJ. Go, go ahead, man. Come on. That's why his credits are so long. That's why his credits are so long. He has to credit so many people so he doesn't get sued by them. Hey, Steven, you want to be a producer on this so I don't have to give you credit for redoing my movie? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. I hate you right now. <laughs> Eli Roth. We're at Eli uh, Roth. For me, uh, for me it's, it's the movie that he started with. It's the movie that a lot of us gave us a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. um, we yes. saw it and we were like, oh, this is really interesting. This is a new young director that's coming in. Can kind of maybe breathe some fresh air into the horror genre. Yeah. Uh, it was Cabin Fever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that secluded setting. You're off in the woods. Something happens to you. 
like delusion sets in, hysteria sets in, kind of the worst of humanity comes out. Yeah. He just kind of did it in a very small setting. Instead of also like, low like, budget, a very low, low budget. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he kind of took that idea of like, man, like what's the worst that would bring out the worst in humanity? And then he just kind of set it in this one little cabin up in the woods, like mm -hmm. only six people. And you just see like the worst that humanity has to offer, like when they face something really Society awful. just breaks down. Yep. And it, was, and it, was, it was brilliant. One of the actors, uh, you know, we had only ever seen as, you know, uh, on the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as soon as you saw it, oh my gosh, that's the uh, the guy from Boy Meets World. Oh, no, it was it, very yeah, it, it was out. Yeah, uh, I, I saw Kevin Fever, and I was like, that's yeah, like that's yeah. pretty brilliant. Like he had a really like he knew what he wanted to say, he knew how he wanted to make the film, and then Hostile, and that was still kind of like I said, I think that was his vision still. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and then I don't know what happened after that. Uh, uh, he's Green Inferno. He's kind of teetering back. But then he goes and remakes Death Wish, and it's like, well, are you going to make it your own movie, or are you just going to make a movie that's going to be fun? Like, what are you yeah. doing? Writer's block. Might as well sit in your uh, own no, personal no, avatar no, for 20 years and figure out what you Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, th those are the top ten. Uh, I mean, we would be absolutely remiss if we didn't... Uh, at least give a quick reference to uh, the other guys that we can, have been we, right up there. We cannot say this next guy. We can. Oh, we, I, I've already been thrown out as zombies. He's saying uh, that quite a bit. Um, but then you have uh, my favorite. Thing, well, no, the sad thing with Rob Zombie is, in my opinion, there was so much hope with the House of a Thousand Corpses, and which I think is a. I thought it was terrible. Uh, no, I, I, I don't. Doubles Rejects was a better. Film. I don't disagree with you. But I think House of a Thousand Corpses was original. It was really oh, good okay, for what yeah. he was trying to do. Yeah. He gave you something different. He gave you something new. He took that time period. And then I think he, that's a horror film. I feel like Devil's Rejects is more of a action-based, you know, 70s, like, oh, we're going around and shooting people and doing stuff. And it's also, I also really like it, by the way, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, but... Then Zombie, I don't know what happens to Zombie after that. The remake of Halloween. We don't talk about that. The remake of The Hills Have Eyes. We don't talk about that. The I never saw the clown one. Uh, I oh, did yeah. see the one that was just so off the rocker. Uh, what was it called? Um, with his wife, of course, again, who plays it. And it's a whole witch movie. Oh, I'm forgetting yeah, right yeah, now yeah. what the name uh, of it is right now. But um, I'll look it up. Oh, Actually, look it up. It, up. Uh, what is the name of that film? But that movie was... It just, it just didn't work to me. Like, his... It's like I don't know what he's trying to. He's another one that I don't know what he's trying to do. Um, I, I don't know what your guys' feelings are on zombies. Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. Yeah. Thank you. Like there was some interesting scenes. There's some spooky moments, but it was like it just didn't work. It, just, it didn't work. But yeah. Uh, then you also have um, Mike's favorite, uh, which we had to cut because there just wasn't enough to work with uh, to. Go for Which I will debate. argue all day, every day that uh, to work with there. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, he definitely influenced the horror genre uh, with um, Six Sense. Sense. And Split. Signs. Six I like Signs. He does some of that. I know you like The Village. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of a horror film that really is. Then you have uh, Guillermo del Toro, who has influenced the monster movie genre in a big way. Big way. Um, then you have uh, Adam Wingard. Uh, who has uh, thrown his uh, two cents on um, the found footage genre, mm -hmm. which 
I mean, okay, cool. He, he did his thing. He did it better than most, but you can't really throw him in the top. Uh, then you have the traditionalists, the, the Ridley Scotts, uh, the uh, Dario Argentos, the David Finchers, uh, your Tommy Lee Wallace. Tommy Lee Wallace, the only reason I bring up Tommy Lee Wallace is he's a very misunderstood guy, I think, who's done, he was part of Carpenter's guys. Mm. And you have a guy in Tommy Lee Wallace who does the original It. Mm -hmm. And the original It for a TV movie, although it gets destroyed with the second half at the end with the whole spider oh, yeah. thing, oh, yeah. the only problem is that's in the book. Yeah. Like, people are always so angry. Yeah. Be angry at Stephen King. Like, don't be angry at these guys that are trying to follow by what he oh, does. Yeah. Yeah. But It, I mean, to me, is one of the best made-for-TV movies possibly that was ever made. Yeah. It was spooky, it was oh, yeah. scary, Tim Curry is iconic as Pennywise, <laughs> yeah. and then he turns around and makes maybe, I, a lot of people out there might not have seen it, I stress you to go see it because it was well for time, maybe one of the most controversial horror films that ever came out, which is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, yeah. which people to this day cannot get around the fact that they yeah. go away from Michael Myers, yeah. he makes a movie that... I, Mike knows this about me because we've talked about this. I think this film was about 20 years before its time. It was brilliant and it was evil. Yep. Like it was an evil, yeah. evil movie like about killing all of the children in the world based on this costume, candy, like mm -hmm. everything that Halloween is not about that Carpenter kept on trying to remind us was about and Tommy Lee Wallace makes this movie that is so unpopular and so just makes people angry and I go by and I still watch it and I'm like, aside from a couple of cheesy sex scenes, it stands the test of time. But that's just me. I don't know where you guys stand by. That he is, has a place on the list. That is definitely just you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can live with that. And then you have your uh, your classic directors, oh, your yeah. your Terrence Fishers, uh, your James Whale, uh, and then of course uh, we would be absolutely remiss if we did not uh, talk about uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, uh, we, we saw, especially in the uh, the 2000s, the popularity of the remakes of the classic Japanese horror movies. Uh, well, most of those uh, that were remade for American audiences were originally done by Kurosawa. Uh, he did the original Ring. He did the original Grudge. Uh, he did so much that just influenced uh, the entire Japanese horror... Um, uh, I, I guess you could even call it uh, its own genre outside of traditional horror. So many of the and great horror. He, he was films, a yeah. defining uh, voice in that. And and so many. And for those of you out here, I, I, I hope that you go and you watch some of these movies. Or you look up these directors. Yes. and You see what they are. But I I challenge you to go and watch. I would challenge anyone to go and watch these great Hong Kong ghost movies, these great Japanese horror films. There are so many of those that have led to these American-made movies oh, yeah. that have made millions and millions and millions of dollars, and people have no idea oh, yeah. where they originated, where they started. Obviously, Kurosawa is one of the guys who's had his hand in it, oh, but yeah. all of that genre, Massive. I mean, you go back, it's amazing. I mean, there's so, I mean, look at, um, uh, uh, one of my uh, my favorites, they did the American remake of Let the Right One In. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, another great, there's so Fantastic. many great foreign films that are horror that are so good. Yeah. I mean, and you can, most you can, people around here have no idea, but if you want to see where a lot of them are getting their inspiration, 
it's from these I Japanese Hong Kong four-door. I, I don't know if you would agree, but I mean, you can probably classify the original Old Boy. Oh, it was. Uh, it absolutely yeah, was. There's some horror in that. In fact, uh, I, I would say um, you know, that, that is a perfect example of a movie that the American adaptation just could not quite get right. No, it couldn't get right. Um, it couldn't get it. So, yeah. Even with Spike doing it. You know, I love me some Spike Lee. Uh, I'm not going to touch on Spike Lee today. Uh, <clears throat> that'll be a different conversation. But, uh, for now, um, we would love to hear uh, your thoughts in the comments. Please uh, let us know what are your favorite horror movies. Down here somewhere. Uh, your right favorite horror here. directors. They're down yes. here somewhere? Yes. Okay. Well, not, 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 I'm not disregard where you're explaining, but yeah, they're down there somewhere. Okay. Yeah, they're down below the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> keep your hand going out that way, man. Thank you very much. Speaking of the torture porn genre... <laughs> Eli Roth would be proud of that. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, just tell us uh, what what is your favorite horror movie? Uh, who are, who's your favorite horror director? Uh, just tell Please us a little bit no, about why. No showgirls. No showgirls. Horrific. It does count as horror. Uh, horror. Without a doubt. Horrific. <laughs> we, just, we don't we don't want to remember that it happened. Piranha too. Uh, Horrific. So, um, yeah, just uh, always. Definitely uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, like the video. Share with your friends. And we just we'd love to have the conversation and keep going. So uh, until next time, have a happy Halloween. This is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek and Dan. Last call podcast. I'm saying. See ya. <laughs>